0: Welcome to the Bridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message from our senior pastor, Neil Haney. To access other resources or to find out more information about our church, visit thebridgespringfield.com or find us on social media at the thebridgespringfield. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. So, so, our series is Living in His Body, and so we've been away from that for a couple of weeks. We're going to go, come back to that this morning. And we're gonna do this for about another four weeks, and then we're gonna wrap it and start a brand new series that we're super excited about. I won't give that away yet, but um, we're excited about the new series coming up in, uh, I believe it's November. So, um, I wanna ask a question this morning, and it's very similar to a question I asked in my first sermon in this series on uh, living in his body. And that is when you hear the word church, what things come to mind? Is it a building? Is it a religious organization? You know, I, I shared a, a couple of weeks ago that I come out of Catholicism. I was in the Catholic Church until I was sixth grade. Um, and the Catholics refer to the Catholic Church as the church. So is, is, it, is it a religious organization? Is it a community of believers? Is that basically what it is? Is it a denomination? Is it an institution? If it's an institution, then when I took my sabbatical for three months, I temporarily escaped from an institution for three months. Yeah, anyway, that's a joke. Okay. But according to the New Testament, um, the church is primarily called the body of Christ. Did you know that? It's, it's called other things, but it's primarily called the body of Christ, and especially by Paul, the Apostle Paul. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 10, Ephesians 2, Colossians 1, 1 Corinthians 12, he calls the church the body of Christ. And a great theologian of our time, a guy named Thomas Oden, I think he died recently, but he said this, the body of Christ remains the most concise definition of the church in the New Testament. It's the most concise definition of the church in the New Testament. The word for uh, body is the Greek word soma. Now, uh, if you know anything about Greek and and English, uh, you know that English has basically one word that's translated in Greek in about four or five different ways, normally speaking. For example, the word love. We say love. I love pizza. I love my mom. You know, I love my new car. I love my wife and kids. We we just use that word kind of randomly. It, it covers everything. Not so in Greek. In Greek, there's you know, there's philo love, which is brotherly love. Like I, I enjoy being around you. There's eros love, which is rom- romantic love. There's um, I'm not thinking of the Greek word right now for like a, a the love that a mother bear has for her cubs. And then, there, of course, there's agape, which is a God-given love. It's a supernatural love that comes through the Holy Spirit. But not so with the word body. The word for body is always translated soma. It can be a literal body or a figurative body. For example, it could be like I, the, the, there's a, a dead body of a deer on the side of the road because it got hit by a car. A dead soma. Or you could say that this body of of people uh, that make up this organization voted to do such and such. It's the same word, it's soma. And so it's it's a little bit tricky to try to translate and understand exactly what Paul means by body when he uses it in, in, in the New Testament. However, as I was preparing my sermon this week, I became convinced that when Paul speaks of the body of Christ, He is talking about his literal body. And I'm going to give evidence for that in a moment. But I believe that every time you see the church called the body of Christ, he's referring to the resurrected body of Jesus on this earth. He is the head. We are the body. Now, Paul believed that Jesus was resurrected in a a physical human body. And one of the most awesome scriptures for this is found in, uh, and and, you know, in a moment I'm going to expound on this a little bit, but you've got to remember who Paul is. He was Saul of Tarsus, who became a Pharisee who was one of the bad guys in the New Testament, in, in the Gospels. Because the Pharisees were always after Jesus, they were always trying to trap him and pin him, and they're the ones that ultimately handed him over to the Romans to be crucified as an insurrectionist, and they didn't believe him, and they just wouldn't believe him. And, and so Paul was a member of the sect of the Pharisees. He says that in Philippians 2 or 3. A Pharisee of Pharisees, he says. A keeper of the law. And so uh, to to see this man Saul become Paul, I'm going to tell the story in a moment, and to say this is absolutely phenomenal. So I'm going I'm to read from 1 Corinthians 15 about how Paul believed in the physical resurrection of Jesus, his body. Okay, listen to this. This is awesome. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. In other words, if there's no resurrection, then your faith means nothing. He actually says that later on. But what I received, I passed on to you as first importance and received it from, straight from Jesus. In Galatians 1, he says, I didn't receive the gospel from any human being. I didn't receive the gospel from Peter and John and the super apostles in, in uh, Jerusalem. I didn't confer with anyone about this until decades later. I received this gospel straight from the Lord Jesus himself. So he's had conversations with the Lord For what I received I passed on to you as as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that's what we just celebrated in the Lord's Supper. That he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now listen to this. This is awesome. And that he appeared to Cephas, who is Peter, and then to the twelve. And after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living at the time of this writing. You understand what that means? Paul's like, if you don't believe me, here's their cell phone numbers and their email addresses. Ask them yourself. They're still alive, most of them. They saw him. There is a resurrection, he was resurrected. We serve a resurrected Lord. But there are references to the body of Christ, like the one I'm about to read, that are talking about you and me, not his, his body in heaven. By the way, I, I just want to take a little segue for a moment and, and say something to you that, that blew my mind the first time I ever heard this. And it took me a while. I chewed on it for a while before I decided to swallow it <laughs> and believe it. But Dennis and I have a, have a favorite theologian named Baxter Kruger, And Baxter Kruger says that a lot of people believe, a lot of Christians believe that when Jesus ascended back to heaven, he discarded his human body, and now he went back to the way he was before his incarnation. In other words, the incarnation is when Christ became a human. And Baxter says that's heresy. His resurrection body was very different than his original body that he died in. However, it was still a human body. You remember he walked, uh, he, he appeared to the disciples, and, and he, he would give them fish and bread, and he was walking with these two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they, they were walking and talking, and, and they don't recognize him, and, and so they get to the place where they're going. They invite him in for a meal, and as he breaks the bread, suddenly their eyes are open, and they recognize him, recognize him as the Lord Jesus, and then he vanishes. He just vanishes in thin air. Now, most human bodies can't do that, but that was his resurrected body, and he would appear and disappear over a period of about 40 days, and then there came a time where he gathered his disciples together outside Jerusalem, commissioned them to do the work that I'm going to be talking about this morning, and then he, was, he ascended right in front of their eyes. He just went back to heaven. Now, Baxter says nowhere in that story does it say that he took off his man suit, hung it on a hook, and went back to be like he was before. And Baxter says the ramifications of that is there is now a human being in the Godhead, seated at the right hand of the Father. We are represented. Our high priest is in a human body. He is forever identified with the human race in his body. Isn't that awesome? It's powerful. There was nothing about his humanity that inhibited his divinity. It's still the same today. However, Paul seems to be saying that, there, that the, resurrection of, uh, uh, the resurrection body of Christ has two manifestations. One is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us right now as our high priest. The other, and that's mind-blowing enough, but the other is equally mind-blowing, is that the manifestation of the resurrection body of Christ is what we call the church. You and me. We are his resurrected body on earth, and he is the head, but he wants to live out and finish his work on earth through you and me. Pfft. Come on, guys, seriously. When I saw this in a deeper, broader way this week, it blew me away. I, just, I was just astounded. Now, old Neil before 2012 would have immediately gone to a dark place about this. Because I feel like, as your pastor, that I have failed to do something. Not recognizing you as that. I feel like I have been very thin on my responsibility as a pastoral leader, as a pastor teacher, to equip the saints, you, for the work of the ministry. And I repented of that on Thursday. I spent some time down in the youth room on Thursday just pacing and praying and saying, Lord, I will spend the rest of my ministry equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Yeah. So if you'll go with Dennis and me, because we're, we're working on how to do this. We already had a, started a discussion on Friday about this. I, we went over to the park and sat in, sat in that small, um, what do you call it, shelter and started talking about how we would begin to prepare ourselves to equip the saints and to equip leaders so that you can do what God's called you to do and be what God's called you to be so that we can fulfill what he's called us to do and be together as a body, as the body, the resurrected body of Christ manifested in this earth through us. The great 20th century theologian and martyred Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who wrote many books, he was martyred by uh, Nazi Germany. Uh, he took a stand against Hitler and was hanged just before the war ended. And he, was, he wasn't even 40 years old yet. But he says this, the church is Christ existing on earth as community. Guys, we need each other. We need each other. We can't do what we need to do as Lone Rangers, as individual Christians. Why do you think Jesus sent the disciples out two by two? And why do you think that he brought them back? He talked. He sent them out again. He brought them back. He talked. He sent them out again. He commissioned them together. At Pentecost, they were together praying. The Holy Spirit fell. They went out together. They, this is a together thing. And it says that God added to their number daily those who are being saved. Because this is supposed to be done corporately. You are the body of Christ. Not any one of you individually, but we make it up. So I want to I read, an, uh, I'm going to go back to my favorite scripture for this series. And I, I don't even think I have this um, you know up here. I just, I, I've kind of weaved my way through this as I've gotten ready in my, you know, not feeling well. But anyway, just listen to this. Dial in here. So, of course, I've said it over and over again in Ephesians 4, he's talked about all the wonderful things that the gospel has to say, that God loves us unconditionally, that he has sent Christ to die for us, to bring us back to himself, to deal with our sin. While we were lost in our sins and our transgressions and our trespasses, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ and seated him in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So our sins have been dealt with. You are saved through faith. That is not of yourself. It is a gift of God. So none of what I'm talking about this morning has to do with your salvation. I want you to hear that loud and clear because I'm probably going to, for once in a long time, I may step on your toes this morning. But I want you to know on Thursday I stepped on my own toes. I had some repenting to do, honestly, because I've, I've let you down. And I don't intend to do that anymore. When God shows me something, I want to make it right. So listen to this. First of all, let me just read this, okay? As a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received. That's that's a pretty serious word right there. Paul is saying, I have become a prisoner of Christ. I should stop right now and just tell his story before I read this. So I don't want to get ahead of myself. So, so this, this Saul, who was a Pharisee, was so zealous for his Jewish religion and so upset that he had been, he had been told by his mentors that Jesus of Nazareth was a fake and a phony, that he was, he was a false messiah, and anyone who followed him was a heretic and should be put to death. And so Paul got real zealous about this, and so he started, he started uh, doing things like, for example, um, Stephen, who was one of one of the disciples uh, of Christ after the after Pentecost, was arrested and brought before the ruling council of the Jews, the same people that had put Jesus on the cross, and they were. They, were, they had him on trial for being a heretic, and he preached the gospel starting with Abraham and went all the way through to Jesus and basically said, you crucify the Lord of glory. Yeah. And they took him out, and they stoned him to death, and Saul watched their cloaks as they took them off to throw stones at Stephen. He was the one guarding their cloaks so no one would steal their wallet or their credit cards or whatever. And he stood there in satisfaction as he watched Stephen be stoned to death. That's how zealous he was about this. That wasn't enough, though. He wasn't satisfied with just persecuting Christians in, in Jerusalem. He got papers from the high priest to go to Damascus to arrest more Christians uh, in their synagogues. If they were preaching Jesus in the synagogues, he was going to bring them back to Jerusalem and put them in prison. And he's on his way to Damascus, When this thing happens to him, I'm going to read it right now. So his name is Saul, and his name gets changed to Paul after this happens. And we know him as the Apostle Paul, who wrote about a third of the New Testament or more, maybe half. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there, who belonged to the Way, capital W, which was what it was called, following Jesus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And Jesus said, I am Jesus Whom you are persecuting. Now, anytime the Lord repeats something, he does it for emphasis and he does it as a witness. And twice he says, If you're persecuting my people, you are persecuting me. Okay? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it was you. And then he became the Apostle Paul, who is writing these awesome letters now to the churches. And Paul has concluded that the church is the body of Christ, the resurrected body of Christ on the earth. Not just the man Jesus sitting in heaven. So he says this, as a prisoner for the Lord for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Every one of you has received a calling if you belong to Christ. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace or gifts gifts, have been given as Christ apportioned it. The word grace there in this context literally means you've been given gifts to use to bless the church. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, of whom I'm one, to equip his people, to equip the saints for the work of service, for the work of the ministry. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. He's talking about us. And that is a very literal way to talk about the body of Christ. And then he ends with this. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. That's you. That's you. And there's a complimentary verse in, chapter, in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12 where he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and I'm not going to go into that this morning, but he says this, now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. You are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it part of it, and you build up the body of Christ as each one does his work, or its work, as each part does its work. Amen. Now, <clears throat> the body of Christ is not a figure of speech, it's not a metaphor, it's not an allegory. Now listen to this, I love this, and I got this from straight out of Dennis Kozlov's mouth. I wrote it down as fast as I could because... He was on my sermon prep team, and he made this statement, and I was like, that is golden. And I'm going to take credit for it, and then the Lord convicted me, so I'm going to give him credit. <laughs> but listen to what Dennis said. He is a theologian, by the way. You, you guys don't realize, Grant Edwards told me that Dennis has enough education to have a Ph.D. In, in theology and philosophy. He is very educated. He went to seminary. Yeah, amen, yeah. So the theologian speaks, and this is what he says. The church is the multiplication and extension of the ministry of Jesus through his people, the church, who walked this earth just like he did in his earthly body 2,000 years ago. We're just a multiplication and extension of his body. That's what John 14 and 15 and 16 are all about, guys. If you go back and read the gospel of John, he's explaining this. I have been with you and now I'll be in you. Does that make sense? I'm going to go back to the Father, and I'm going to send my spirit. And this is what he says in John 14, 12. I love this scripture. He says, if anyone, if anyone, raise your hand, because that's you. If anyone believes in me, the things that I've been doing, he will do also in even greater things than these. Why? Because we are multiplied by Every time someone receives the Spirit of God, we become an extension of the body of Christ. So Jesus was limited to his human body, but not after Pentecost. Peter got up and spoke. 3,000 people came to Christ. A few days later on the steps of the temple, he heals a crippled man. 5,000 people come to Christ. And it says that, again, I've already said it once this morning, but he added to their number those who are being saved daily. Oh, that it might be said about this church someday. I was talking to Phil Shank this week. He's my mentor. He's the one that hired me, brought me here. He, he abandoned me after eight years. I got, I got some counseling over that. He went to the mission field. He reached an unreached people group. Now he's involved in reaching 45 unreached people groups. He's up there with the Apostle Paul in my book. But here's what he said to me on Friday. We, had a, we talk about every other week, and we have for the last five years. I, I asked him five years ago if he would be my mentor again. And he said, yes, and, and, and you know what you're seeing right here is a result of that, a lot of, of that, because the church was really in bad shape when he began to, to meet with me. And he's cutting me loose. He said, I don't think we need to meet every other week now. Why don't we meet like once a month? I feel, I feel good about that. But here's what he said. He said, Neil, I want you to note something. And Dennis said something very similar recently. He said... The problem with the church in America, really good churches, really good churches that are hitting on all cylinders in every other area are flunking in leading people to Christ, in bringing the lost into the kingdom, in caring about those who are outside the four walls of the church, who are languishing in sin and their lostness and their separation from God. And the church really doesn't give a rip. Man, that, that cut me to my heart. So on Thursday, I get convicted. On Friday, I get convicted. I can't keep this up, guys. I'm getting, no, I can and I will. But I feel like, you know, I've been told this week that I got to change some stuff. We got we to gotta really take this seriously. Guys, we're living in the last days. I said last time I preached that this is an army that God is raising up for the last day. This church is an army. I really believe you. You, I'm looking at, at at a at an army of people that God is going to use in these last days. You have important stuff to do. At Pentecost, he filled his followers with the same Holy Spirit that he had, and he did all his teaching and healing and miracles uh, through and commissioned through, through, through the Holy Spirit. And then he commissioned us to do the same thing and filled us with His Spirit. So, why is the church languishing and not fulfilling its calling? Good question. I'm glad you asked. Before I go any further, I want to reiterate something here. Dennis and I have said that we don't want to be the kind of preachers that build you guys up and give you the gospel, and then the next week we slap you. And we build you up and we make you feel good, and the next week we slap you. This is not a slap, but it is a call to action. because I want this church to be a real church. I want this church to be engaged in the kingdom of God, in in being the body of Christ on this earth. And so this is not about your salvation. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are saved, all your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. Jesus dealt with it all on the cross. He took you to the cross with him, you died with him, you were raised with Christ to live a new life in the spirit, but let's be about that, okay? Let's be about that. And what does that look like? Again, John said, whoever believes in me, the things that I've been doing, he will do also and even greater things than these. That's what it means that we're the body of Christ. And if I do my job and you do yours, this will be the result, that we will be the body of Christ on this earth. Are you with me? Are you with me? If the church is the literal body of Christ, resurrected Christ on this earth, and he's the head and we're the body, then the person and power of Christ is to be expressed through us. Christ is the head of his body. The church is his person, his presence, and his power. And he is to be expressed to, to the world through you and me. Hallelujah. That is a high and amazing calling. I don't want anyone to get freaked out or stressed out about that. It's it's an amazing calling. The Lord Jesus has us here as his body to express his person, his presence, and his power through us, his church. Dennis pointed out this too. It's pretty amazing stuff. He's he's just such a great theologian. I just hats off to him. He said, you do realize that the the gospel of, of Luke was volume one, and book of Acts was volume two of his gospel. I said, like, I never really thought about it that way. I know he wrote both Luke and, and, uh, and the book of Acts. He said, yes, the book, the, the, Luke was about the ministry of Jesus Christ as a person, but the book of Acts is about the ministry of Jesus Christ through his church. So he fill, right at the very beginning, he commissions the church, he fills them with his Holy Spirit in chapter two, and then it's off to the races, and we get 18 incredible chapters of the body of Christ being about the work of Christ on the earth. Guys, in 10 years, it will be exactly 2,000 years since his death, burial, and resurrection, according to scholars. I really believe it's high time the church starts looking like the church again. It start, we start looking like the book of Acts again. Why not? We have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same power. We have all the promises. I mean, go back and read John 14, 15, 16, and 17. Man, that, that red letter stuff in those, those chapters is awesome. And it's about you and me. And Jesus says you will have persecution. You will have trials and tribulations. But don't worry, I've overcome all that stuff. And the Apostle Paul, when, he, when he's in the thick of it and he's going through all his trials and struggles, he says this, he says the only thing I want is, is, to, is to know the Lord Jesus and to, to share in his sufferings and the, pow- the power of his resurrection and to share in his sufferings being conformed to his death. I want to follow Jesus. And I want to I do what Jesus did while he was here. You know, um, people are supposed to get to know Jesus through us. That's the point. Now, if, if I wanted you to get to know me, I would like you to get to know me as a healthy 65-year-old pastor that's still pretty, you know, uh, I've got a great sense of humor, <laughs> tell great jokes, um, and pretty pretty healthy, still pretty, thank you. Yeah, I'm humble too, yeah. Still pretty handsome. Just, come on. Anyway, um, but what if what if I got really, really sick? What if, what if I got paralyzed from the waist down? What if I barely had enough energy to brush my teeth or comb my hair? What if most of my organs were only half-functioning and I was sick and I was jaundiced and, I, and, and I, all I could do was to do enough to just barely survive? And you came to me. Would you, first of all, would you be attracted to me? Probably not. You would probably have pity on me, but you wouldn't really be attracted. You, you would spend a little time with me and just get the heck out of there because I, I don't want to be around a sick guy. And I, you wouldn't get to know the real me. So why would we think that if we're not functioning and doing our part and building up the body that people would be attracted to the body of Christ on this earth? I mean, guys, again, I'm not laying a guilt trip. Please don't hear, hear that. I just want to encourage us to let's figure out together what God is wanting us to do. As each one does its part. What is your part? What is your part? Let me ask you some questions. Are you adding to the health or the paralysis of the body of Christ? You guys freak me out back there. (laughs) Are, are, Are you doing your part to allow Jesus to express his person and power through you? Are you being responsible for any specific function in the body of Christ in this church that you're called to be a part of, if you're called to be a part of it? Not everyone is. Are you contributing time, skill, energy, money to the body of Christ at any local church? There's a, there's a volunteer card in the seat pocket in front of you. And if you're not, if you're not contributing anything at this point to the body of Christ here, I, I really encourage you to take this card, take it home with you. Pray. Spend a month praying if you want to. But really seek the Lord and say, Lord, what am I supposed to be doing? As each one does its part, as I do my part, what is it that you're calling me to do? And, you know, I know from experience that Jeremiah 33, 3 is right. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and awesome things which you do not know. John Wimber said, if you want to know what's wrong with you, ask the Lord. He'll tell you. Just ask. God is not afraid and shy to say, look, John, I want you to be a part of the, I want you to be a part of the sermon prep team. I want you to meet with these knuckleheads every week and make sure that what they preach is better than what they deliver on Thursday. I want I want you to be a part of the corporate prayer team every morning. I, John has been he came in here with his sleeves rolled up 2 years ago. Just he dove in and he's involved and he's leading a small group, he's leading a prayer group. He's you know, I am just using him in his example. But John is one of those guys that said, I'm going I'm to do something here. I'm going to do my part to build up the body of Christ and to express Jesus. I love you guys so much, and I hope that no one leaves here this morning feeling beat up or, or, or beat down. That's not my intention. But I want you to know that you are doing your part to build up the body of Christ so that it's healthy so that it's functioning, so that it's attractive, so that Jesus can express his person, his presence, and his power through you and me. Okay? Let me pray for us. Lord, I, I don't know. I, feel, I have mixed feelings this morning. I feel like I've been pretty heavy-handed. But, Lord, you, you wouldn't let me out of this one. So I think it's you. And Lord, I want to do my part to build up the body by equipping the saints and training leaders and equipping in specific areas of ministry, Lord. So please forgive me, Lord, for, and I know you do, for not always doing my part very well. And Lord, I'm going to learn how to do this better. And I'm going to come alongside anybody in this body that wants to do their part to build up the body of Christ and to express you to the world so, Lord, uh, I give this sermon to you. I give this people to you. And if there's any condemnation that has landed on you, I break that off of you right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are saved. You are forgiven. You are cleansed. You're a child of God. You are beautiful in the eyes of the Father. And if you never do a thing, you're still going to go to heaven. And he still loves you. But let's just figure out together what he's calling us to do so that he can continue his work through his church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you received a fresh revelation of the gospel of grace and that you experience the goodness of God in your everyday life. For more content like this or to stream our services live, visit thebridgespringfield.com. Have an awesome week.